Welcome to Final Girl Friday. My name is Molly, and I love romantic comedies. Tonight, we're taking a long look at one of my personal favorites, Sleepless in Seattle, co-written and directed by Nora Ephron, released in 1993. I don't know about you guys, but nothing says romance to me like becoming obsessed with a total stranger because he sounded sad on the radio, then hiring a PI to follow him around until his son bullies him into being my boyfriend. Love is in the air in this timeless tale of getting the fuck over it and stalking your way to happiness because nothing is more pitiful than a guy who can't accept that his wife is dead. Sleepless in Seattle was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay so you know it's good. Much better than that depressing pile of garbage hereditary, which also explored grief and human connection, but in a really gross way, ugh, and didn't even get so much as a nod at the Oscars. Do I sound bitter? I'm not bitter. I'm totally fine with this. Let's, let's keep going. Sleepless in Seattle stars Meg fucking Ryan and... Welcome back to Final Girl Friday. Happy April Fool's Day. My name is Molly, and I like scary movies. The good kind of scary movies, not not scary in the way that Sleepless in Seattle is. <laughs> What's ridiculous to me about that bit is it was it was just supposed to be a bit, you know, like a quick 30 seconds to celebrate April Fool's Day. But uh, it had been a while since I had seen the dreaded Sleepless in Seattle. So I, I went back and watched it for the sake of this like 30 second bit. And I got so wrapped up in the process that I ended up recording an actual review of Sleepless in Seattle uh, as part of my Fright and Early review series over on Patreon. So if for whatever reason you feel like listening to me bash or <clears throat> review Sleepless in Seattle for about 10 minutes, uh, head over to the Patreon. <laughs> the Fright and Early review series is something that I have had so much fun doing. I mean, it, like everything else, was completely thrown off by the kidney infection that I had uh, a few weeks back, but I've been getting back into it. And it's just been it's been a blast just rolling out of bed, turning the mic on and just sharing my thoughts on a variety of movies uh, with no prep. It's just been a really good time. Uh, but tonight I'll be hanging out with my friend Jeff of the Nerd Trek podcast talking about his favorite horror franchise, The Evil Dead. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. I can't believe it's taken me two years to talk about Evil Dead on the show. I'm really excited to have Jeff on. I was invited to join them on the Nerd Trek podcast back in January. I talked with Jeff along with his co-hosts David and Phil about a couple of episodes of Next Gen. And I learned during that discussion that Jeffrey Combs originally auditioned for the role of Riker on Next Gen and barely lost the part to Jonathan Frakes, to which I responded. Shut the fuck up. Really? <laughs> Yeah, he auditioned for Commander Riker and just barely lost the part out to Jonathan Frakes. You just blew my mind. I had such a great time hanging out with those guys, man. And I'm so glad Jeff agreed to come over here and hang out with us. Before we can dive into it, though, I do have a couple of quick points of interest. On the subject of Evil Dead, I'd like to preemptively correct something I'll be saying at some point during this episode uh, regarding Evil Dead the game. There's a new-ish video revealing some bonus soloable content that I did not know we were getting, and I'm so excited. Uh, apparently, the survival horror game, which of course will be prioritizing co-op and PvP is going to feature a handful of single-player missions based on scenes taken directly from the Evil Dead films, which is exactly what I wanted. Thank you, Saber and Boss Team, for taking those of us who are a little burned out on survival PvP into account. Evil Dead the game is set to be released on May 13th, and I cannot wait. For a little recommended listening, I am so pleased to finally be able to talk about That Horror Witch podcast, hosted by my friend and fellow slasher Horror Kitty, aka That Horror Witch. This is a fairly new project for her, and she is off to such an incredible start. Today, we're going to be talking about Black Christmas, the 1974 version. Don't get so excited. It's not going to be that terrible remake. 
As soon as I heard Kitty was hosting a podcast, I flipped the fuck out. I have been listening like a hawk ever since. Her film reviews are so thought-provoking, and there's usually this sort of underlayer of, of something just a little bit deeper, a little bit more than just the movie itself. There's a two-part episode entitled Exploring Grief, which covers both Pet Cemetery from 1989 and The Babadook from 2014. Her most recent episode is entitled What Idle Hands Means to Me, which just dragged me in the best possible sense down memory lane. That Horror Witch podcast is available at Anchor.fm, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere that you can find my podcast, you'll, you'll be able to find hers. And I just, I cannot recommend checking it out enough. For a little recommended reading, over at Dread Central, Matt Kanopka, Kanopka? Matt brings us why Happy Death Day's tree is the perfect final girl for our now. In that article, Matt says, Tree is relatable because she's imperfect. Most like to think we'd be the stone-cold fighter who outwits the masked maniac. But the truth is, we'd be more like Tree, tripping over air during our first encounter with the killer. Few of us live up to the high moral standards of your typical slasher, and Tree, she breaks every horror movie commandment there is. I really enjoyed this article. Tree is definitely one of my favorite contemporary final girls. And I do especially enjoy examining the character as a kind of champion of the everyday people. She's she's an every woman's final girl. <laughs> then over at Bloody Disgusting, Megan Navarro lists five prank-filled horror movies to stream for April Fool's Day, including Slaughter High, Joyride, and one I hadn't heard of called Scare Campaign from 2016, which looks like a lot of fun. And speaking of streaming, Shout Factory has announced that on April 15th, they'll be adding a new 24-7 streaming channel to their free ad-supported service entitled Scream Factory TV, which is super exciting. According to their website, Scream Factory TV will be home to a variety of uncensored fan-favorite horror, thriller, and sci-fi films from the past, in addition to hosting special events and curated marathons. The 24-hour TV channel will feature such horror classics as Black Christmas, Carnival of Souls, Chopping Mall, Night of the Demons, Piranha, and Willard. I watch Shout Factory's MST3K TV sometimes, and from what I understand, it is completely free. You just go to Shout Factory tv.com, pick a channel, and uh, and watch to your heart's content. I mean, there are commercials. It's kind of like watching network TV, but a constant stream of uncensored horror films. I'm, I'm on board. All right. I think that's pretty much all I've got for today. So it's time to dive into the movies. If you're new to this podcast and you don't hate it, stay tuned until the end of the episode for information on Final Girl Friday elsewhere. And as usual, if you have not seen Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, or the Evil Dead remake from 2013, proceed with caution. There will be some spoilers ahead. Jeff. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So I haven't really talked about it very much uh, here on the podcast or on Slasher, but... In addition to being a bit of a horror fanatic, I'm also a lifelong Star Trek fan, uh, which is kind of how you and I met because you are the host of a Star Trek podcast. I am. So I host the Nerd Trek podcast with my friends David and Phil. We're doing a full watch. We're on TNG right now, Next Generation. Somehow I convinced them to watch, you know, over 800 episodes of <laughs> Star Trek. And we just had you on and I'm glad that we did. Hopefully you had fun. Oh, yeah, I had an absolute blast. We talked about Man of the People, that Dorian Gray sort of episode uh, with Troy. And then we talked about uh, Relics, the episode where they brought back Scotty. Those are really great. I highly recommend anybody listening, if you can head over and check out the Nerd Trek podcast, not just for our episodes, but all of them. They are highly entertaining. I, I love you guys. I love listening to you guys talk about Trek. <laughs> Thank you. No, and yeah, it was fun to have you on because I always try to get, I want to get a different perspective than just you know, three middle-aged white guys. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you wanted to go over here and, and hang out with me and talk about horror movies. Um, Hell yeah. So I asked you, if we could talk about any horror movie. What would you want to talk about? And you said The Evil Dead. I did. The best way I can equate it is this is my reanimator. Yeah. Basically, like I love The Evil Dead, the films and the show, and I love the character Ash. But I also loved, especially being a young, I think I first saw it when I was a teenager, is just the whole like a bunch of friends scrape some money together and they're like, fuck it, we're going to go make a movie. And that just appealed to me on so many levels. Definitely. It's one of my favorite films in terms of production stories. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, even though the production stories are all <laughs> horrific. They're awful. awful. That, yeah, <laughs> that they had like a terrible time making it. Yeah, but it's so funny because Ash Williams has become such an icon it's easy to divorce yourself from all the fucking pain and hard work that he went through to create that character 
you bastards. Why are you torturing me like this? Why? What did he broke a, a couple of ribs? He mm-hmm. had his teeth knocked out. I think there's a story he broke his jaw as well. Or that he might be for the second one. Well, I hear conflicting stories about that very last shot where the force like swoops in on on him. There's oh, there's yeah, a story that, that he broke his jaw. Something. I mean, it, they <laughs> they were flying at him <laughs> at like full speed through the woods with a camera attached to a motorcycle. Yeah. And I mean, that camera go- goes right up in his face. Oh, yeah. I just picture Sam Raimi's going like, let's just throw some more shit at Bruce. What else can we dump on him? It's fine. One of my favorite production details from the first Evil Dead was that, you know, when Linda strapped down to the table and he is getting ready to, you know, take off her head, that was an actual chainsaw. Somebody actually pointed out at one point that if you zoom in on Betsy Baker's neck, you can actually see her heart racing like the pulse. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it would. Uh, (laughs) Well, and I think they even use like actual shells. Yeah, that scene when Ash like falls on the floor and he shoots at the deadite through the front door. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an app. That's a live round into a dummy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's partially that kind of, you know, a budgetary, they probably couldn't afford like a squib or something to explode. And they're just like, eh, let's just use a live round. It's fine. Mm-hmm. That's the early eighties, man. It was like the wild west of filmmaking. You can get <laughs> away with so much. It's, it's pure chaos. And I absolutely love it. It makes for such <laughs> exciting filmmaking. <laughs> it does. Right. Yeah. I was listening to the commentaries uh, like my second time through and they're just they're having fun just telling the like the same stories, you know, 30 years later. I think it's so fortunate that the films became as popular and as celebrated. But it's it's nice to know that even if that hadn't happened, they would have had stories that they could just tell for the rest of their life. Yeah, because it took like a good, you know, two or three years for them to film on and off. And then it was like a terrible winter in Tennessee and then 20 people sleeping in this cabin where they're having to like clean off all the caro syrup and all the fake blood and then sleep in it and then put it back and it's just it sounds awful but it sounds amazing at the same time i also heard what was it that they weren't able to shower for two months that kind of lines up i can see that i think the first film it's a magical experience they experimented so much with the camera riggings and Mm -hmm. uh and and with the with the practical effects it's an excellent film to study i think if you're studying amateur filmmaking the evil dead is just an excellent example of uh of what can be accomplished on a modest budget with a bunch of friends just getting started oh absolutely I i completely agree i think the biggest thing too is the camera angle as the point of view of the force that ghostly force that like cruises through the woods it's the the camera mounted on a two by four and then two guys just carrying it and running through the forest. But it works so well as a point of view for the monster through the cabin and like through each window and like the camera angles change. And it's just, it's such a different way to do it that probably, you know, movies in the 80s or like 70s, 80s that they just weren't doing as much. Oh, definitely. I totally agree. The first Halloween film is another great example. Of, I was thinking that, yeah. Yeah, of a POV shot that was created more due to filming constraints because mm-hmm. of the camera they were using. They could only film you know, so much for such a long period of time. And then with this, it was more to do with not being able to buy the more expensive camera rigs. And they they redefined the way that people depicted monsters. The camera work in the first Evil Dead especially, and the second one too, but the first one especially, that camera work is still to this day, it's fucking disturbing. It is. I mean, because there's scenes where like... They'll tilt the camera on a certain angle, but then have the actors walk normally. And so it just makes that kind of distorted look. If you follow Ash's journey through all the films, especially I think more in the second one where he's kind of in this like descent of madness where the angles get even like more weird. I think it shows a lot about Ash's character and then also what's happening around him, you know, whether it's like his severed hand or the monster or the demons, whatever it is. No, absolutely. And I think that's why, and I'm not trying to rag on Army of Darkness because I absolutely love Army of Darkness (laughs) so much, but I I think that is kind of one of the things that I miss when watching mm. Army of Darkness is the creative storytelling through the camera. I felt like there really wasn't as much of that. There are some, still some kind of fun angles and there's some fun camera work, but I don't know. When I watch Army of Darkness, I don't get creeped out the way that I still do when I watch the first two Evil Dead. Yeah, I think it's just kind of the vibe of the film itself. But I think because Army of Darkness is more of his quote unquote studio film, you know, they had more of a yeah. budget. It was probably more equipment where the first two was just kind of out of necessity. They're like, yep, yeah, you know, slap a camera onto a two by four and we're good because um, <laughs> yeah. you just because you just kind of have to fucking do it well it might not be that bad no actually it might be kind of nice yeah 
Let me ask you this. So is that, I know there, there tends to be more kind of, you know, friends in a scary cabin or friends in a scary house or like an insane asylum somewhere. I, but I'm trying to think, is this kind of one of the first ones or maybe it's the first one I, I, I remember of, you know, kids are in a scary place and they're isolated and, you know, weird shit happens. Yeah. I mean, there was Friday the 13th came out with the year before this. And then you had, uh, obviously Texas Chainsaw, which was 74. Mm. You, yeah, that was still sort of like kids at an isolated location. Although that's a little less, I think, of kids getting together to go stay somewhere for a kind of vacation experience. Yeah, because Texas was more just kind of like a circumstances led them there. But then which Texas Chainsaw Massacre was an influence on this film, too. Oh, yeah. I think the influence on the first Evil Dead, especially by Texas Chainsaw, is is so very potent. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the energy, the overall consistent energy level of the first Evil Dead is a little bit more in line with like the entire third act of Texas Chainsaw. But I feel like yeah. Both films have that art house feel to them. And maybe that's silly to say that the first Evil Dead feels a little art house, but with the camera work, just it's very mm. unique. It does, though. I think it does. I think that's fair. At the very least, I would say the first Evil Dead was a part of a kind of renaissance to the story of the, mm. quote, cabin in the woods. And, and it really helped launch the popularity of that trope. Yeah. But yeah, this is probably the one that influenced me the most. Well, now, speaking of the weird stuff, are, is there a particular part of the first Evil Dead film that, that scares you? or that did scare you that kind of sticks with you? So I'm probably too desensitized now as an adult, but (laughs) the one scene that really still kind of creeps me out because like I'm not scared by like the demons and the makeup. I, I, at this point I'm like, oh, that's cool makeup. I wonder how they did that. Yeah. But the scene that still gets me is when uh, Cheryl, Ash's sister, is assaulted by the woods. A similar scene is even in the remake. And even then I'm just like, ugh, that's ugh. like it just gives me like, you know, the chills. And and I'm not a woman, but it's like it still gives gives me the chills. You know what's interesting to me? So I, I only saw the remake uh, once and I, I barely remember it. I didn't remember them having a scene similar to the infamous <laughs> forest assault scene in the first film i'm surprised they would have put that in there because hasn't sam raimi himself kind of publicly tried to distance himself from that scene and said hey i I probably shouldn't have put that in there yeah he's come out and said that but i think i even saw something where cheryl in the first one said yeah it was kind of a hard scene but she gets why it was in because it is horrific it is but they did do it in the remake it's and i think it's even creepier because it's not like a just a twig it's like a ball of this entity of the demon crawls up there and you're just like it was even more traumatic i think for me right the remake was kind of going for like full dark full edge they, they were trying oh, yeah. to tell like the most serious version of that story which i guess makes it even funnier that they would keep in a tree rape i don't <laughs> i can't hate on it too hard because i mean it is a very it is a very memorable scene oh yeah well and i think too because isn't that kind of how the entity possesses her and then she takes a pencil to someone's achilles heel and that's how she gets infected and then she bites someone else and then that's how someone else gets infected so isn't that kind of like how things start yeah it's also important Cheryl, what's the matter with you? Did something in the woods do this to you? No, it was the woods themselves. So what would be your favorite kill in the first Evil Dead? I think his girlfriend's, she dies like multiple times, but he, he buries her and then she comes back up and like lunges at her and then he takes the shovel as she's jumping midair and like takes her head clean off. Yeah. I think that's probably my favorite. Yeah, no, that's a good favorite. Absolutely. <laughs> but then I'm also just a fan of just the practical effects of how they, you know, they made them ooze with like milk and oatmeal and, you know, uh, yeah. arms through floorboards. And, and like, I just love a good practical effect and learning about how they just kind of like jimmied all this stuff together and made it work. Oh, absolutely. Same. Some of my favorite practical effects from the 80s, uh, hands down, is the first Evil Dead. I still can't look at milk the same way. <laughs> I fucking right? hate milk. Yeah, it's Evil Dead is a big part of why I hate milk so much. It ruined milk for you. That's <laughs> it great. <did>. <laughs> <laughs> Even now, we have your darling Linda soul. She suffers in torment. You're going down. I do appreciate Evil Dead 2 more watching it now than I did like originally. Yeah. For me, the second film is the perfect marriage of the first and third because mm-hmm. I really love the humor of Army of Darkness. Absolutely. But it doesn't feel like a horror film to me. It feels like a comedy. Yeah. yeah with, with horror elements and obviously recognizable horror characters, but it's more a straight comedy. And then the first Evil Dead being such an earnest attempt at genuine horror, I really loved kind of the stride that they hit in the second film where you were sort of blending those two elements together. They had embraced the humor kind of mm-hmm. inherent to Ash's character and yet 
they were still trying to scare the audience. So that's why I think the second one is my favorite. Yeah, I can see that. It's definitely that kind of transition one where, yeah, they're trying to marry a bit more of that comedy and the horror because there's still some really good horror in it when, you know, I mean, dismembering bodies and everything. But then you also get the great physical comedy, the entire bit when his hand turns and he's like smashing (laughs) himself and it's like, and then he chops it off and then he's shooting at it in the walls and it gets caught in a mousetrap. Like that's just great comedy. It really is. And that's, that I think is how the Army of Darkness was born because Army of Darkness oh, is yeah. essentially that entire concept. Like for, <laughs> for ninety whole, minutes, yeah. For ninety minutes, yeah. <laughs> what would you say you love most about Evil Dead Two? Um, I like that we get the transition of Ash from kind of this hapless fool who is like, because in the first one he basically stumbles into still being alive. Like he he pushes back a little <laughs> bit towards the end, but he's like, he he kind of just like by happenstance lives. So in Evil Dead 2, he's kind of like, no, I've I've been through this. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to fight back. Like, he fucking takes his own hand off and then yeah. fights back. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I could do that. So I, I like that transition that we're, we're seeing a bit of growth. Yeah. Well, it's oh. funny, too, because, like, and I could be reading way too much into it, but it's like you see Ash's journey. Because the first one, he's still a boy. He's very naive. Second one is his kind of descent into madness. And then his third one, he's like, I'm kind of an asshole now. I'm like... <laughs> He never matures past like being 19 with his, you know, the humor and everything. And then even well into the TV show, Ash versus Evil Dead, like that is full on. You peaked in high school and and that was it. (laughs) Well, isn't that what they say about trauma, though? You know, when you experience intense trauma as a child, you remain part of you remains that age for all time. So it's interesting to think that the Deadites may have stunted uh, (laughs) Ash's emotional growth. (laughs) A little bit, a smidge. What would be your favorite kill in this one, in the second one? Oof. I don't know if it's a kill, but I think my favorite part is where the giant tree monster, the force or the demon kind of takes like a physical form. Because throughout the film, you see the trees are kind of starting to move, like kind of Wizard of Oz, you know, like vibe. But finally, towards the end, this big tree monster just comes through and grabs Ash and he's like stabbing it and attacking it. I think that's my I don't think anyone dies during that, but that's like my favorite part. Yeah, no, that's a great moment. It's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, I, I appreciate every kill, like any physical kill where there's like, you know, something into flesh that excites me because, you know, that there's like art behind that. There's blood and prosthetics and all that. And I, I just love it. Yeah, God, it's so true. If I were going to explain to somebody why I love horror films, in part, I would have have to cite uh, the first two Evil Dead films as a, as a big, big part of, of why I love them because of how creative people can be on set with things like how do you make a, a battle to the death with a giant fucking evil tree watchable? <laughs> right. <laughs> how do you make that work? And, and, you know, horror filmmakers figure that out. And I find that really fascinating, you know. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that Greg Nicotaro worked on Evil Dead 2. And then, of course, he goes on to do, like, Walking Dead. It was, like, his big thing. He's been in, in the FX biz for, you know, 40 years. There were quite a few people that were a part of this film that would either go on to be big deals or were already pretty big deals at the time. Yeah. Um, I was trying to remember there was somebody else... Uh, oh, yeah. Um, um, so Edna Paul, who was brought on to she was the editor for the first Evil Dead. Yep. Most of the film was edited by Edna Paul. But uh, Joel Cohen of the yep. Cohen brothers actually cut together that montage, the strapping up, getting ready. Oh, those you like shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The little short. I love that sort stuff. Of montage. Oh, yeah. It's great. And one, I love what they did with that concept and how they amp that up in the second one. Ash suiting up in the second film is one of my favorite moments in any Evil Dead movie. And they were very much trying to recreate what Joel Cohen cut together in the first one. Yeah. And then especially into Army of Darkness when he's like making his new hand with you yeah. know, the, the blacksmith. And it's those those very same kind of short cuts. And that's, yeah, same vibe. Yeah. And it's so funny that all of that, all of that is because of Joel Cohen. <laughs> Workshed. But isn't that crazy? Because it's like they were just friends and it's like, and again, this goes back to just like, hey, we're a bunch of friends. We wanted to make some movies and now look at us now. And because I was listening to the commentary for the second one and they were living with Joel Cohen and they had a place in L.A. And then they were like also Holly Hunter was, would like come by and, and, yeah. and they, they were considering her for that role in Evil Dead 2, that uh, other girlfriend. Bobby Joe, Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, she's not quite sexy enough for something. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like. You're just throwing out these names like 
oh, you know, we're friends with like Spielberg or whatever. It's fine. Yeah, that's something that I always think with these more classic films that would go on to become big franchises like Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, Mm -hmm. uh, Evil Dead is just, you know, you have no idea what a big deal, not just these movies are going to become, but what the people around you are going to become. And it it creates this kind of layer, this thin layer of like retrospective magic of like, oh, God, that was something (laughs) was starting there, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. And like whether it's Jamie Lee and you know halloween or kevin bacon and friday or johnny depp and nightmare it's like you just never know you know you pay your dues doing you know low budget horror and god knows what'll happen that's right this sweet baby was made in grand rapids michigan retails for about 109.95 it's got a walnut stock cobalt blue steel and a hair trigger that's right shop smart shop s smart you got that! Moving on from the lower budget, uh, so let's move into Army of Darkness. So Army yes. of Darkness is your favorite. Yes. It's so much fun. But I think, too, is that it's not too scary. So, if you know, if you've got like a 12-year-old who's like, hey, I kind of want to dip my toe in, but nothing like that's going to give me nightmares for a month, go watch Army of Darkness. It's not that bad. It's one of the most quotable ones. Like, this is like Ash being full Ash. <laughs> yeah, this um, is Ash turned up to like 40. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plus, it also has this great physical effects with kind of, you know, those Clash of the Titan, Jason and the Argo skeletons and stop motion stuff. I think this is what made the most impression again as me as a teenage boy. What teenage boy is not going to like this? Well, yeah, because it's not just a horror film and it's not just a comedy. It's also an adventure story. It is. It, it's like a D&D campaign, <laughs> yeah, basically. Or like any it's RPG cool. you're going to play. It's a complete and total D&D campaign. This <laughs> it <year>. is. <laughs> I mean, the time travel element is such genius. I love that he goes <laughs> way the fuck back in time because who would have thought to do that? You know, right. Only these guys would have thought this needs like the 13th century or whatever fucking time it is. Well, and I like that they did that in the second one. Like they were kind of planning, even though if they never even made it, they're just like, nope, he's going to time travel. He lands in 1300s, you know, England. It could be King Arthur. Maybe we don't know. They put that out there. I think it's great that they did that. And I'm really glad that they decided to build upon it and actually see Ash in that situation. Are all men from the future loud-mouthed braggarts? Nope. Just me, baby. Just me. And you're right. This is hands down the most quotable of the the three films. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, And I still do it now. Like, I'll say stuff in front of my kids. And they're just like, what? And I go, you know, don't worry about it. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it certainly revolutionized the way people um, talk to their girlfriends, I think. Come here, baby. Give me some sugar. Hail to the king. Because it works so well. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it works for Ash. Um, That's true. Something else that I love, too, about this film is that it's not just described as a horror comedy. It's described as an epic horror horror comedy (laughs) well have you seen the like the original poster for him it's like it's bruce campbell with like a fucking rip shirt and like abs for days Yep, you could easily take one of the original cover art concepts and you could slap that on the cover of any airport romance novel <laughs> and it would work I would, perfectly. <laughs> I, I would read the shit out of that. Same. If it's Fabio with a chainsaw hand, I'm sold. <laughs> Done. Absolutely same. No adventure is complete without his damsel in distress. And here we have Sheila, the ultimate damsel in distress. I thought that she was such a great character. And one of the reasons why I love her character is we get to see dark Sheila. And yeah. that kind of makes it okay. It it kind of makes up for the the damsel in distress thing that we get to see her as a as a monster. And Beth David did such an amazing job with Deadite Sheila. I had the biggest crush on her. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know if it's because of good Sheila or bad Sheila. I'm, I'm kind of okay <laughs> with both. But like, yeah, she knows what she's doing. She knows what film she's in. What's that line where she reveals her face and she's like, I may be bad, but I feel one of my favorite lines in the movie. It's great. Yeah. I do really enjoy the love story between Sheila and Ash, even though it's not really a love story. It's more of a lust story. I like their dynamic. It definitely has that sort of Fabio, you know, kind of romance novel feel to it, but they're aware of that, you know, and so it's a self-aware kind of fantasy love story. And I get a huge kick out of their interactions with each other. Yes, it is. It's just a very lustful thing. And and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. But what of the things that we've shared? What of all the the sweet words that you spoke in private? Uh, Well, well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby. 
was Sheila a common name in the 1300s in England? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I love, I love that her name is Sheila. I just think that's so great. <laughs> I can totally see having a crush on her. And I think that's a hell of a lot more normal than what I had, which was a crush on evil Ash. Before or after he gets like burned and buried? No comments. <laughs> I, I can kind of see that though, because he, he is Ash. He's that cocky, give me some sugar baby. Yeah. He's just evil. Yeah. And his makeup. Oh, my God. His makeup Ugh. is still to this day. It is so fucking grotesque. When his you jaw know? comes off, when he's trying to say Sally Forth, his jaw keeps yeah. falling off. And that looks yeah, great. And, he, and he's just and like constantly funny. oozing. I don't even. Yeah. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. So what's your favorite kill in Army of Darkness? Oof. I think probably evil Ash's repeated killings. You know, at first yeah. he's like shot in the face and then buried. And then he gets like stabbed a few times and then he gets exploded on a, off of a catapult or no, he gets burned and then he gets launched off a catapult and explodes. Yeah. So I'm like, just his whole series of ones are good. Yeah, definitely. I'm a fan of a uh, tiny ash. London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. My fair lady, ha! That whole that, scene was so ridiculous. I love it. I love it. It's pure comedy, but then also kind of that Gulliver's Travels, like yeah. they can really hurt you. Like he steps on a nail and <laughs> they're burning him. But then he, he, you know, he scrapes his face off with a spatula, which is completely stupid and serves <laughs> no purpose, but it's amazing. Talk about it's, the Three Stooges influence. That whole scene, oh, yeah. I mean, was just as Three Stooges <laughs> as it gets. And it was so funny because in the midst of that huge scene that he takes the tea kettle off the stove and mm-hmm. like pours the the boiling water down his throat <laughs> as a kid i couldn't watch that and then because then the other thing i thought is like okay yeah it's one thing to have this miniature you alive inside of you but now it's just rotting inside of you and like it's gonna <laughs> little bones and like that's gross i never even thought about the fact that you know eventually that dead tiny ash would like move through his digestive system and had he'd <laughs> have to pass that <laughs> That's the thing that I love about Ash, man. It's one of my favorite things about his character is what a fucking klutz he is. <laughs> how he's constantly messing up and somehow yeah. and he just accidentally becomes a hero so many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is your favorite character from this film from Army of Darkness? Ash. I have to go with is Ash. Is it Ash? Ash is definitely your favorite character. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's fair. But I also, I mean, I kind of like everybody. I mean, I, like I said, I had a crush on Sheila. Evil Ash is great. The best nemesis for Ash is Ash because he's yeah. his own worst enemy. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> but I also like, I don't think he has a name, the kind of wizardy guy that's uh, Ian Abercrombie. Yeah, I think his name in the in the film is actually just Wise Man. Yeah. I like him too because he kind of pushes back against Ash. He's like, you're a fucking idiot. And yeah. <laughs> do this for us. And then Ted Raimi is his co-worker at S-Mart. Yeah. Ted Raimi plays what, like three roles in Army of Darkness? He does. And, and it's not even like subtle. It's just like, eh, throw on a different mustache. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I know one scene, I think it's Ash is giving them the, the who's with me speech. And yeah. if you look down in the crowd, I think Ted Raimi actually plays two separate characters in <laughs> yep. that one scene. Like, and you can tell that he just like threw on a mustache and ran to the other side. <laughs> he, did, he just moves over a little bit. He's yeah. like, and, and my sword too. <laughs> Yeah. That's my favorite character in, in Army of Darkness is Ted Raimi. All, all of them. All the Ted Raimis. <laughs> T-Money bust your ass. T-Money bust your ass. Yo, 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 yo. Have you ever seen um My Name is Bruce, by the way? Um, It's kind of like a documentary or like a, no, like no, a fake. What is it? So it's actually, it's just a horror comedy starring Bruce Campbell as himself. It's about a, a massive Bruce Campbell fan whose hometown is uh, being <laughs> terrorized by this ancient East Asian evil demon god uh, who is basically the god of bean curd. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. uh, he's like, he's like a protector. Oh, God, it's it's hilarious. It's so fun. Basically, Bruce Campbell gets he sort of tricks himself into going to this place. His agent (laughs) sets it up and Bruce thinks that he's there for some kind of promotional event and then slowly realizes, oh, wait, no, these people actually think that I'm some kind of hero hero. and I'm going to save them. The whole town is trying to explain to him that this thing is real, but he doesn't believe them. And uh, (laughs) again, kind of accidentally ends up saving the day. But Ted Raimi plays 
like three different characters in that film. And I thought that that was so great that they not only brought Ted Raimi into this movie, but he actually basically parodies himself by playing multiple (laughs) characters. It's fucking fabulous. (laughs) That's great. It sounds like a Galaxy Quest kind of vibe. It has some Galaxy Quest vibes, definitely. Not nearly Uh, the budget of Galaxy Quest. Oh, (laughs) yeah. But like whether, yeah, I'll have to check that out. And Ted Ted Raimi comes back in Ash vs. Evil Dead. I think he's in season two. Oh, does he? Oh, good. Yeah, Yeah, because I've only seen about the first half of the first season. Okay, Um, yeah, he comes back in season two. Well, come on, seriously. You've never heard me talk about Chet? No Fred Chet, my main man, my number one partner in crime. You're also a fan of the series, right? Oh, fuck yeah. It's the perfect comedy. I mean, it's it's definitely more comedy. But again, every episode is just like, how much blood can we throw on Bruce Campbell and like <laughs> everybody else? But it's got great gore, great blood. There's a part in season two where he's cutting up a cadaver and it pulls him in through the guy's butt. And then like a fake <laughs> prosthetic penis is like slapping him in the face. <laughs> Like, that's how outrageous it can be sometimes. But it's so good. Oh, God, that's some trauma shit right there. That's oh, yeah. But I think it can also be really creepy. Like, they pull some demons from hell or wherever, and they're like these dark children covered in, like, black inky paint. And those things are fucking creepy. Yeah, that's good to know that it actually is also scary. The characters, uh, you know, from what I gathered, were also really fun. So, I mean, do you? how do you feel about the character work in Ash vs. Evil Dead? I like the character work. So, basically, yeah, you've got Bruce as, as Ash. It's... Definitely Army of Darkness, Ash. He's he's a bit of a dick sometimes. And then you've got Pablo and Kelly. I like their stories because they get pulled into this. You know, Pablo's kind of the like, he idolizes Ash. He's like, you're a badass. But then he gets pulled in and he has a good arc too where he kind of grows up similar to ash and then kelly she just fucking dives right in she's like i'm ready to kill some deadites i think they all did a really good job again they know what they're in um yeah but they're having just so much fun doing it and it's got like you know lucy lawless isn't she married to rob tapper yeah she's married to rob they've been married since uh, 1998 which again is i love because it's just it's the whole let's keep it in the in the family and just keep making these shows and movies yeah once you've been initiated into that family you're a part of it you will follow them <laughs> to the ends of the earth you know <laughs> absolutely and and that's that's what's fun about it it feeds that horror comedy itch that you just need sometimes and you can absolutely watch the show without seeing anything else. I mean, look, you know, a dude reads from a book and it brings forth demons there. That's it. Like you don't need much of a backstory because they, they explain yeah. it as it goes. I'm the dark one. I wrote the Necronomicon. Yeah, I don't give a shit. You fuck things up worse than I ever fucked things up, lady. So fuck you and the horse you rode in on. I've thought that same thing, especially like in relation to the new one that's coming out, you know, where there's been so much speculation about what they're going to do with the story, how they're going to handle a new Evil Dead film. But to me, it's like yeah. the possibilities are endless. That's why I I may be reluctant to let Ash go. But I think that this is a franchise where it's very easy to create new heroes. You don't need Ash at the forefront of an Evil Dead story as long as you have the Deadites. Right. Absolutely. And that can be a good thing because I think sometimes when franchises go on too long, as much as I love Nightmare or Friday the 13th, they just become a bit comical and they lose their fright. So if you've got new heroes who can all be turned into demons and deadites, that book can pass hands like a fucking Jumanji game and everybody can can play. And that's why I think when when kind of the the remake was was going to happen, you know, fans were like, well, who's going to play Ash? And the decision to be like, OK, we're not going to have an Ash, I think was a good one because it's either going to be polarizing where someone maybe they do a better job maybe or they're going to try and do an impersonation of bruce doing ash and that's would just be weird yeah there is no one in the world that ever could have played ash williams in general i mean and, and that's evident through all of the films because i don't know mm. that any actor would have broken themselves in half to play ash williams <laughs> So obviously Bruce Campbell was the perfect guy for the job, but but by the time we get to Army of Darkness and Ash has become the character he has become, yeah. nobody could would ever have done it, could ever have done it like Bruce Campbell. I will rip your soul out, Daddy. I'll rip your soul out, you pathetic fuck! When did the remake come out? It was like 2015? No. Quickly Googling 2013. it. 2013. 2013. Okay. <laughs> okay, so nine, God, nine years old. Jeez, okay. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, I have only seen the remake. I watched it once, uh, not long after it was released. I didn't care 
for it. So I never went back. I'd like to go back and watch it again because, you know, first impressions don't always mean everything. But what do you think? How do you feel about the remake? So I actually confused it for a long time with Drag Me to Hell, that other horror one that he directed around that same time. That's fair. Yeah. I kind of kept confusing because I was like, oh, it's Blood and Guts and Sam Raimi. That's that's kind of the same thing. Um, <laughs> if you're going in for Ash, it's not that. Just go in very similar to Star Trek. Imagine this is your very first experience. There's no carryover in myth and legend from the other ones. If you go in with that and just kind of like take it for what it is, I think it's actually a really good horror film. It's got a shit ton of blood being poured on people, which I love. The makeup is really good. The special effects are really good. The story. So basically they, they take this one girl to a cabin in the woods to get her through detox because she's a drug addict, which of course, mixing that with demons is always great. <laughs> the thing that bothered me the most is there's a character in it who is a nurse and she's like, Oh, I'm going to manage her through this detox and I've brought meds with me. And I'm like, no, you fucking did it. You can't just take medications and <laughs> inject them into people. Like that's not how this works. <laughs> And like, it actually shows the medication that she's giving her and it's like an antipsychotic. And I'm like, you, that's a controlled substance. You can't just take that. And it bothered me to no end. So yeah, no, that's, that's, I can completely understand why that would bother you. (laughs) No, but if you just go watch it for a horror film and just kind of walk into it being like, Hey, I've heard a little bit about this book of the dead thing. What is that? It's actually a pretty good film. Yeah. I remember being put off by the serious nature of it. It's hard to divorce myself from you know, what it's remaking. And I, as I said, you know, Evil Dead 2 and that kind of marriage of the humor and the horror, that's my preferred That's your sweet spot. Yeah, that's my sweet spot. Her being in detox was one of the things I fucking hated because I'm like, really, you know, who looks at the Evil Dead story and says, (laughs) you know what this is missing? (laughs) Fucking heroin. We need a heroin (laughs) addiction somewhere in this story. (laughs) It makes no sense. Like, you're not giving her any services. And I think because, you know, she's the one who gets assaulted. She's the one who gets, there's the whole forest assaulting scene again. And then it just sets up that perfect thing where where everyone just goes, oh, we don't believe you because you're on a crack and detoxing. And I fucking hate that in horror movies where something goes hey the scary thing happened and then everyone goes eh we don't believe you I hate that oh god it pisses me off to no end and was it crack I'm so sorry if I said if I said oh I don't know I I just said said crack yeah that's all yeah no kind of going back to the original Evil Dead films, one of the things that I think is so entertaining about all three of those movies is that it's happening to all of them. It's not Mm -hmm. just happening to one character who then has to convince everybody that it's real. No, it's happening to all of them right from the beginning. And so everybody is kind of on equal footing against them, which as everybody gets picked off and falls victim to the demons, it kind of elevates the the heroism of the main character in this case, Ash. I feel like uh, that's very similar to like what happens in Cabin in the Woods. I love that movie oh god me that's too. a good movie it's so great but yeah it's it, that's another situation where like the terrible thing is happening to everybody all at once and yeah. and i like that format that structure for this kind of story better than how they handled it in the remake yeah i mean because even in the first evil dead even though when you know she gets assaulted by the trees there there is kind of those couple moments where they're like you know, maybe, but, but they take her out of her word. They try to get her out of the cabin and leave. And then she turns pretty quickly. Like, and mm-hmm. then yeah, shit is just a mess. But yeah, with this one, it's like, yeah, they just, they toss it off. There's not a good character development. And I don't like the argument because people may say, oh, it's a horror movie. We don't need to know big character arcs, but I'm like, but that's what makes them dying a loss. If it's someone oh, I don't care yeah. about, then fuck it. I don't care if they die. It's, you know, gory. Great. Yeah. You just have this desensitized audience watching people they don't give a fuck about die one right after another. And I definitely remember that about the remake. I don't remember much, but I do remember not really loving most of the characters. I didn't, you know. Yeah. I mean, so obviously the main character is the, see, I don't even remember their their names. Yeah, um, <laughs> it doesn't surprise that, me. That's how memorable they are. But she's kind of the main character. I mean, yeah, she gets possessed, but then she comes back and gets saved. And so her arc is good. By the end of it, you're you're rooting for her as a final girl, but also as as a hero. I mean, I would say still, yeah, try the remake again. Give it a chance. Divorce yourself from the lore of Evil Dead and just kind of take it for a horror movie. Because some of the kills in it and some of the practical effects are really, really good. And that end demon thing is super creepy too well so now how do you feel about the the new evil dead coming out have you looked into that at all i know very little about it i think when i was watching these i was kind of like googling a bunch of stuff and i go oh there's a new i think there's a new video game and there's a new movie yeah the video game looks fucking amazing 
Is there a trailer uh, for it? Yeah, I think they dropped the trailer at E3 this past year. I, I okay. could be wrong on the timing on that. But yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. I wish, and I haven't done any research on it in the last couple of months, so this may have changed. But the last mm. that I looked into the game, it was online only, which that was the only thing that really mm. kind of bummed me out about it. Because having come from playing Dead by Daylight for so long, for so many years, I got really burned out on the online horror aspect. Yeah. I'm hoping that they'll introduce a campaign mode like Friday was starting to do. Everything about the game game looks amazing there's actually like a couple of really great um horror franchise inspired games coming out we got a texas chainsaw game coming out that looks fucking fantastic Ooh, okay yeah so i recommend checking those out and then the new evil dead uh evil dead rise is there any information on it or kind of what a, it's going to be a about? little bit yeah it's a i know that it's going to feature a female protagonist it's about two estranged sisters i know that okay. much i know that it was produced again i think by all the same people that produced the remakes so you've got sam raimi bruce campbell and uh, rob tappert good yeah but that's that's about the extent of my knowledge on it so far too Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'll watch it. Even bad Star Trek is still Star Trek. So even yeah. <laughs> a bad horror movie is still a horror movie. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. And basically, my life philosophy. So yeah. <laughs> sure, I could have stayed in the past. Could have even been king. But in my own way, I am king. Hail to the king, baby. This has been so fun it's been really fun thank you yeah it makes me want to go back and, and binge them again there are some horror franchises where i can't just watch one with evil dead it's not that's not always the case i'll have days where i just want to watch army of darkness where i just want to watch evil dead 2 so i don't binge them from start to finish very often anymore but i would really like to do that again i think you because especially going back and watching these i forgot how much they do piece together into one big story especially those those first three that's all one story and yeah you can definitely binge it it's it's definitely worth I want to thank Jeff one last time for hanging out with us tonight and sharing some of his thoughts on the Evil Dead franchise. That was a little less than 40 minutes of a three-hour-long discussion. We had such a great time the night completely got away from us. And there's about 30 minutes of unreleased content that I have been and will continue to post on the Patreon uh, over the course of the next week. As I mentioned earlier, I highly recommend checking out the Nerd Trek podcast. If you're a Star Trek fan, it is so much fun listening to Jeff, David, and Phil go through the entire Star Trek library. I can't wait until they get to Deep Space Nine and I can hear Jeff react to that series for the first time because he's never seen it. And also because there is so much Jeffrey Combs in Deep Space Nine. <laughs> if you'd like to learn more about Nerd Trek or check out some of Jeff's fantastic cosplays and TikTok videos, he is available at Jeff the Nerd. That's Jeff underscore the underscore nerd pretty much everywhere on social media. Thank you again, Jeff, for spending some time with me. A few fun facts about the Evil Dead franchise that weren't included in our discussion. The original Evil Dead trilogy was shot on a collective budget of approximately 50 $15 million and grossed somewhere in the ballpark of $60 million at the box office across the board. Those numbers may be a little off, but you get the idea. Bruce Campbell is credited as a co-producer of the first Evil Dead because he put up his family's property in Michigan as collateral to ensure the film could, among other things, be shown in theaters on 35mm. Blood drives were held outside the film's premiere screenings, complete with free admission and pins reading I bled for the Evil Dead. Rob Tappert once joked that the drives were there way of giving all the blood they used in the film back to the community. <laughs> we have Stephen King in part to thank for Evil Dead 2, as he was such a huge fan of the first one, he convinced Dino De Laurentiis to finance the sequel. The legend of Bruce's broken jaw during the motorcycle scene in Evil Dead 2 was apparently a joke rumor started by Campbell and Raimi to see how many people would believe it. Apparently Jeff and I are two such suckers. Army of Darkness was released in Japan as Captain Supermarket, and its original script was only 43 pages long. Before I wrap things up tonight, I really wanted to hear some of your thoughts on the Evil Dead films, so I reached out to you guys on social media and I asked a, a handful of questions. Which Evil Dead film is your favorite? Which was the first one you saw? Best quote, best kill? And I got some great answers. Deuce said, I have a great memory walking through the video store, always seeing human eyes staring out of a skull looking right at me, daring me to rent it. When I finally mustered up the courage, I found one of my favorite, scariest, fun-filled, laugh-until-you-die movies 
movies of all time. Soon after, I saw ads for Army of Darkness on the back of all my comic books, not even realizing it was a sequel. I don't remember exactly when the first one comes into my life, but needless to say, I love them all, from The Book of the Dead to the remake to Ash vs. Evil Dead. In Raimi We Trust, with Campbell We Stand, Klaatu Barata... <laughs> By the way, kudos to you, Deuce, for figuring out how to spell that. No Fake Cosplay says, First one I saw was, I believe, Army of Darkness. Best quote, good, bad, I'm the guy with the gun. Giant Ginger 87 says, Evil Dead 2 is my favorite movie, but ma'am, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave the store from Army of Darkness may be my favorite quote. That is such a good one. That Horror Witch says, Army of Darkness and Ash vs. Evil Dead all the way. God, I really need to get back into Ash vs. Evil Dead, for fuck's sake, Molly. Gory Rory said his favorite film is Evil Dead 2. Good man. The first one saw was Army of Darkness, best quote, workshed, and best kill literally everything that happens to Eric throughout Evil Dead 2013. So many of you guys cite the remake as one of the films you really enjoy, so god, I really need to I need to get my shit together and uh, and give it a rewatch. Maybe I could review it for Frighten Early. And then Skid Bladner says, Army of Darkness was the second that he saw, but best, because one, Ash was revealed as a blowhard, and then he sent a link to, uh, to this interaction. <laughs> you found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Number two, the boomstick. And number three, cheap as fuck costumes in the background and wide shots add to the characters of the film. Couldn't agree more, especially with the uh, the costume changes and the wide shots. Ted Raimi playing two characters in one scene will live on forever in my mind as one of the uh, greatest moments in horror history. Thanks so much, guys, for sharing some of your thoughts with me. If you have any additional thoughts on any of the Evil Dead films or, or any horror film, really, feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on the Slasher app. My username is Final Girl Friday. Instagram at Molly Oblivion or... Or if you prefer old school correspondence, you can email me at finalgirlconfessions at gmail.com. Uh, I'll talk about this one last time and then I'll dial it back <laughs> in the future. It's just I just relaunched my Patreon right before I got sick and haven't really had a chance to plug it much. So bear with me. So the new Patreon currently has three tiers, the jump scares, the fog dwellers, and the creepy janitors. Uh, and those tiers are one, five, and ten dollars. The jump scares tier gets you early access to new episodes. Whenever I do post an episode, the first place I post it is Patreon and then the next day. I'll post it everywhere else. Um, you guys know how this shit works. The second tier also includes the Fright and Early Morning Film Reviews, which was something that I started doing as a way to help warm my voice up uh, first thing in the morning as part of my you know, like daily routine, getting ready for voiceover work. And uh, it's just sort of evolved into a really fun kind of training tool for me. Every time I do one of them, I'm learning just a little bit more about how to review films on the fly. And the reviews are much shorter over there. They're like anywhere from like five to 10 minutes long. So, and then the Creepy Janitors has all of that, of course, as well as the unreleased guest content and a sticker, actually. If you pledge to the Patreon for three months in the Creepy Janitor tier, you get a Final Girl Friday sticker featuring Jimmy Burke's incredible artwork. So yeah, shouldn't have to go through all of that again in the future. I feel really awkward talking about this kind of stuff, as you guys know, but I am really excited about the new Patreon, so I just wanted to be excited about it for a second. I hope you guys have had a spectacular April Fool's Day. I'll be back soon, talking about something. I don't know what. Stay safe, stay sane, shop smart, and until next time, creep it real. Creep it real.